the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Deep down, do you really want to do something great with your life? Do you know that God made you to make a difference, that He uniquely gifted you to accomplish something that no one else can accomplish? And He wants you to invest your life in that mission. The question is, do you know what that mission is? Do you know what you're called by God to do? If you're ready to discover your calling, then stay with me. Thanks for listening to this edition of Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram. Living on the Edge is an international discipleship ministry focused on helping Christians live like Christians. Well, in just a minute, we'll continue our series, Answering the Call, How to Discover and Fulfill God's Purpose for Your Life. But before we begin, let me encourage you to use Chip's message notes while you listen. They'll help you get the most out of what you're about to hear. Download them under the Broadcasts tab at livingontheedge.org. App listeners, tap Fill in Notes. Well, with that, here's Chip for part two of his talk, How to Stop Wasting Your Life. He begins in Ephesians chapter 6 with the next principle for how Christians can work for God wherever they are. The second principle are Christians are to make pleasing God their goal, not impressing people at work. Notice verses 6 and 7. It says, not with eye service, pleasing men, but as bond servants of Christ, get this, doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service, just in case you missed it, as to the Lord and not unto men. Quality control for the follower of Christ is not in the eye of the boss. It's in the eye of the Lord. When the boss leaves at 3.30, followers of Christ don't leave at a quarter of five. They leave at five. When the boss isn't around, and it's Friday, and everyone's, you know, making these excuses, and the parking lot gets kind of empty. Followers of Christ are there until their job gets done. And they stay, and they fulfill what they're going to do. Because whether the boss is there or not there, followers of Christ do their job unto him. Notice, as slaves to Christ, doing your very best, not as though, but because Jesus really is your boss. He's your supervisor. He examines your work. You can work for God full-time wherever you work. First, if you obey and honor your supervisor in an act of worship. And second, if you make pleasing God your goal, not impressing people. Third principle is Christians can endure and excel even in difficult work situations because of the certainty of their reward. Did you pick that up in verse 8? After, I mean, these, these, this is hard. I would have not wanted to be a slave going to church the morning that this passage got read for the first time. I'd been whining in the chariot all the way home. (laughs) Or probably if I was a slave, I'd be pulling the chariot, you know? know? Hey, boss, you know? I I mean, is he serious? I mean, Paul must be 
He must have been hallucinating. This can't be God's word. Maybe he's, maybe, maybe he's had a stroke. Maybe he's on drugs, you know? He doesn't know my boss. And then, oh, actually, when Paul wrote this, he was in prison and getting beaten. Oh, I guess he does understand. How's this possible? It's possible because you get grace. The Christian life is not hard. It's impossible. Only Christ can live the Christian life. He has taken up residence in your body and my body if at some point in time you have recognized that you are a sinner and that you fall short and you don't have it together and you need him and you're willing to humble yourself and bow your knee and your will and say, God, I need you. I've messed up. I have lied. I've stolen. I'm not the man, the husband, the woman that you want me to be. I need your help. Will you please forgive me? I turn from my self-dependency and my self-will, and I ask for your forgiveness, and I believe that you dying on the cross in my place paid for my sin, and that when you rose from the dead in space-time history, and actually for 40 days had 500 eyewitnesses. So this isn't some dream. It's not some religion. It's historical. I'm trusting what you've done. When you do that and believe and receive him, the Spirit of God comes inside of you. And you are taken from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And the only person that can live the Christian life is Jesus. He now lives in you by means of the Holy Spirit. And so your job is not to try hard to be a good person and be religious and go to church and earn some merit with God. You have his favor. Your job is to abide and surrender and allow Christ to have his way. And take the word of God in the context of biblical community and allow him progressively to change you so he can do the impossible through you. And that's what happened in the first century. And by the way, it's happening all around the world. But the great joys of being, you know, in places in, in China and India and in the Middle East where people's lives are on the line, I meet people on a regular basis that look into my eyes and they tell me, I was with a, a pastor in, who just came out of China to meet us and we met in Hong Kong and uh, they're doing some work with us in terms of getting God's word out to people. And I, just in casual conversation, asking how it was going, he said, you know, it was very difficult. And while he was gone, uh, his wife, uh, the police came, and uh, they had a home church, and they move it all over the place. But the last couple times they'd been in his house, she convinced him that she was the pastor, that her husband was away working, and uh, she had recruited all the people. They took her down to the police station and beat her to a pulp. And he came back from, you know, an evangelistic trip, and his wife is all beaten up. And, I, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, now, how would I respond if that was Teresa? And I just got to tell you, my immediate reaction was, I'd want to find out where those police live. <laughs> and then I asked him, I said, well, how, how are you doing with that? And I'm expecting him thinking, well, I'm dealing with my anger pretty well. And, and I mean, in all sincerity, I, you know, he's sitting here and I'm sitting here. He just looks me now. He says, I just had no idea what a privilege it would be to suffer for the sake of Jesus and to in some way participate in his suffering for the sake of his bride. And I just thought, no human being can do that. That's the spirit of God and the life of Christ in a normal, regular, ordinary man who has gotten perspective. And when he reads his Bible... He doesn't skip 1 Peter like American Christians. He doesn't skip 2 Timothy 3 where it said promises persecution. He doesn't, he doesn't think it's surprising that these things would happen. 
He, he, when he heard Jesus say, in the world you have tribulation, he goes, yep, I understand that one. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Now what I want you to know is, this, this response is what at the, was at the heart of transform the world. And that's what God wants to do today through normal people like you and me. We can endure and even excel in our difficult work situations because of, here's the certainty of God's reward. Verse 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, that Chinese man's response was a good response. His wife's response to protect him was a good response. It was painful, but it was good. These slaves Positive response, even after being beaten, is a good response. How do you hang in there? You hang in there because what? Knowing with certainty, God will reward his children for whatever good we do. And you trust God's promise of reciprocity. So if if you endure this and do it good here, God promises I'm going to bless and reward you over here. Most of our problem is we tend to think that life is a little string of now called time. But a biblical worldview is no, life is eternity. And actually, the Bible, what you really have is you have eternity, and then you have Genesis 1 and 2, and then you have a parenthesis. And it was a perfect environment. God created us. And this parenthesis, then you have sin into the world, and the parenthesis goes all the way to Revelation chapter right about 20. And then you have another parenthesis. And here's this little thing called time that you live in and I live in, And then Jesus comes back, new heaven, new earth, and it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. And what happens in that little parenthesis determines and has impact on what happens forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So when Jesus talks about money, his economy is about the forever economy. So, you know, instead of sacrifice, he says, let's see, would it be smarter to lay up treasure just for now in the little parenthesis? And then when you get here, you can't spend it. It's like Confederate money. And the war's over. It doesn't work anymore. Or would it be better, notice his phrase, store up treasure for others? Is that what it says? Store up treasure for yourself where moth can't eat and robbers can't steal. His point was, my economy is eternal, and when I look at it, I want what's best for you. So, you know, like when this parenthesis ends and I come back and there's a new heaven, a new earth, and it's forever and ever and ever, I'd like you to have some resources. I like to have some blessing. I like to have some reward. And you can endure anything if you have hope. Back then and now, as hand in hand, they went into the Colosseum singing. Nero would actually put them on poles and wrap them with tar. And he would have cocktail parties. And then he would light them. Church historians say, as they were burning, they would be singing hymns of praise to God, being counted worthy to suffer for his sake. That's a little bit different brand of Christianity than we're selling around here, isn't it? You're listening to Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram. This message is from our series, Answering the Call, How to Discover and Fulfill God's Purpose for Your Life. For more information about this teaching or the ministry of Living on the Edge, visit livingontheedge.org. Well, now here's Chip with the rest of his talk. Notice what he says to the Peter, writes to these slaves. He says, slaves, submit yourselves to, to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it's commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. I mean, he's just saying the same thing. But, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing what's wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable or finds favor in God's sight. 
Because you were, are you ready for this word? For you were called to this purpose since Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. First uh, Peter 2, uh, 18 through about 21. Uh, sometimes the work of your hands isn't related to money. Uh, I have a friend, in fact, he's uh, the chairman uh, of the board, or a previous chairman of the board, stepped down a couple years ago because of the situation. His wife had a stroke, and in some strokes, it uh, causes the same symptoms of Alzheimer's. And she has gone from being able to talk and know where, who he is to she can't dress herself to he can hardly travel. He can have no meaningful conversations. And the only thing she can remember and has any joy in is watching old black and white movies. And he will tell her, you know, I'm going to go out of town for a day and I'll be back. And oh, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me. He can uh, walk in one room and tell her that he's going to go get something and come back and she can't remember where have you been? Have you been out of town? She gets upset. I mean, it's, it's been unimaginable. And I said, Paul, how do you, how do you handle it? Because, I mean, the guy has an amazing, I'm sure he has bad days. He's got an amazing attitude. And... Um, he says, well, you know, that's how he talks. Well, you know, uh, I got thinking about it. And Marilyn and I have had uh, over 50 years together. And she's treated me so well. She's been a gift from God. And, you know, eternity's a long time. It's a really long time. I'll get to spend it with her. But I think maybe how good it is might have something to do with how good I treat her now when she doesn't have anything to give me. So I'm just, uh, I'm just treating her the way I think Christ would want me to. So I want to love her, but I'm doing it for him. But I just every day get up and think how long eternity is. See, an eternal perspective transforms your motivation. Final principle here is Christian bosses and employees Employers must treat employees with concern, respect, and fairness as they will be held accountable by God. And you get this sweeping statement in verse 9 and says, you masters, do the same things to them. In other words, all the attitudes, all the respect, all the kind of way, you want to treat them as though, why? You need to remember that God is your boss. And then he addresses the most grievous issue, giving up threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. And you say, well, stop threatening, intimidating. Roman masters had the authority to kill. They rarely did it, but they beat on a regular basis. And you say, but this is written to Christians. This is in the church. You know, the culture, when you are in a world that's just, this is normal, sometimes our faith gets over here, and our culture's over here, and we can't make the connection. And so I'm sure there were Christian masters that were beating their slaves. Just like I bet there's Christian supervisors who lie about their employees, who don't give all benefits to their employees, who don't pay time and a half when the law requires it, who gets multiple people on part-time so they don't have to pay benefits, who figure out ways to get loopholes that benefit them but hurt their employees and never make the connection because everybody in the industry does it, right? And they're a deacon or an elder in their church. 
It's a blind spot. And so he addresses this directly. He says, you better stop threatening. He says, you better treat him right. And you better realize that Christ is your Lord. And the key word here is relationship. See, if you're a boss, if you're an employee, if you're an owner, it's not, yeah, is there a bottom line? Do you have to stay in business? Yeah. But you better, you better run your business out of a context of relationship and caring about these people, really caring about them. And so I just ask if you're a boss or an owner or an employer to really think about not what other companies do, uh, not what the corporate standard is, and maybe the corporate standard's okay, but to say relationship. If the board meeting was just me and Jesus, and we were looking through the employees and what they need and where things are at, how would we treat them? What would we do? And then you do that. And I will tell you, there are some amazing companies uh, that have been run like this, like Chick-fil-A and many others, who do things for their employees that you think... How could anyone afford to do this? Uh, a group up in Michigan, I toured a plant where, where a, a company, uh, they actually started to, a very, very large company. They built all the insides, put all the interiors of cars, and uh, grew and grew and grew. And they found themselves with more and more uh, single moms with small kids. And they began, then they provided health care. And then when they got pregnant, you would come in because they couldn't afford it. And they would check all the women and make sure they all got care. They later put in a, a medical clinic for all their employees. And then, then they put in a cafeteria. And then they put in a, a recreation area. And I said, how do, you, how do you afford all this? He goes, here's what's really funny. He said, it's 20 years and people ask that. He said, I, I found out what, uh, you know, what it costs to hire, fire, um, retrain people, sick leave, all the rest. And there's a company over here that has five or 6,000 employees like us. There's another one over here, another one over there. You add up all the people they lose, all the people they have to retrain, all the people that are out sick, I figure we're probably saving all $800,000 a year. And he said, we recruit the top and the best. They come, you do this for our family, you do this, you do this. He said, you know what, we'll, uh, yeah, and we do, we, we have three shifts. And it used to be you could never get anybody to do the, you know, the, the, who wants to do the same, that middle shift. No one wanted to do it. He said, you come in here at 2 o'clock in the morning, and after the shift, after they've eaten pizza, they're playing volleyball. And he said, you never go wrong treating people great. Chip will be right back with his application for this message, How to Stop Wasting Your Life, from our series, Answering the Call. Are you looking for a job, starting a new career, or just desperate for a fresh perspective on your current employment? Through this eight-part series, Chip unpacks what the Bible has to say about this idea of work and reveals why God intended it to be more than just what we do for a living. Stay with us as we discover how to find genuine enjoyment and fulfillment in our work and bring praise to God through it. To get more plugged in with this series or our many resources, visit livingontheedge.org. That's livingontheedge.org. Well, our Bible teacher, Chip Ingram, is with me now. And, and Chip, you know, we receive tons of emails and calls from listeners sharing how messages like this have deeply impacted them. So I was wondering, uh, could you take a minute and share how our broadcasts are a foundational part of this ministry? Sure, Dave. At Living on the Edge, we do three things for three groups for one purpose. 
One, we teach God's Word to as many people as possible through radio, small group resources, online tools like our app, and in partnerships internationally all around the world. Second, we train Christians to go deeper with teaching resources and small group studies. And three, we develop tools for leaders, for pastors and business leaders to help them impact their worlds and beyond. We do all these things for one purpose, to help Christians live like Christians. Now, here's my question. If you were impacted today by the ministry of Living on the Edge, would you be willing to partner with us? We can't do this without the support of partners like you. And as you do, we will change lives. We will spread God's truth around the world, and we will help Christians live like Christians. Here's my question. Would you join us? Thanks, Chip. If Living on the Edge is ministering to you and you've not yet partnered with us financially, would you prayerfully consider doing that today? It takes a team to do what God's called us to do, so we're inviting you to help us help Christians live like Christians. To send a gift or to become a monthly partner, go to livingontheedge.org or text DONATE to 74141. That's the word DONATE to 74141 or visit livingontheedge.org. App listeners, just tap donate. Well, Chip, let's get to that application we promised. As we wrap up today's teaching, the last point here from Ephesians chapter 6 was that Christian bosses and employers must treat employees with concern, respect, and fairness as they'll be held accountable by God. There's no threatening. There's no intimidation. There's this absolute commitment that it's not about making a buck. It's about transforming the lives of the people in your company. And I told the story today about a plant in Michigan that I got to tour. And I have to tell you, it was mind-boggling to see the principle of Scripture actually lived out. You know, as I saw the volleyball courts and the amenities, the, the medical care and doctors for pregnant women and health care, it, it was this statement by this company that said, we care about you, we value you. Uh, it doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're one of the, quote, lowest paid employees or the highest paid employees. There was built into the life of everything in that plant that there's integrity, that you matter, that we're going to treat people well. And I remember asking him, I said, well, wasn't this very expensive? And he said, well, yeah, we invested on the front end. But, you know, when you do things God's way, and he kind of leaned back. He said, yeah, when you do things God's way, you know, God has a way of blessing. He says, you know, we, we figured we saved about $800,000 a year on medical expenses and some insurance costs because we staffed it right out of our company. And he said, you know, we just felt like it was our calling to not just give people a job, but help them have a life. And we knew a lot of the people here uh, weren't going to make great wages, and they came from places with not a lot of education. And we were absolutely committed as a company to creating an environment, both physically and in the work, and, and even with a, a spiritual flavor that allowed them to really understand that we're a company that would honor God. You know, we weren't, quote, a Christian company, but we were a company that lived by Christian principles. And I just have to tell you, um, not only did God honor it and, you know, the bottom line and all the rest, but the satisfaction that we got of seeing what happened in the lives of our employees, that they were loved, that their life was better. You know, it's the kingdom of God being brought into the actual workplace. 
And, you know, I could tell as uh, John and I were talking, that's his name, it's up in Michigan, that he missed, you know, he's retired and they eventually sold that big company. And I could tell that he really missed the the daily life of not just creating a great product and selling it to Detroit. But what I saw was a man who had transformed the lives of a community and individual workers because what he saw was his work was a calling. Let me ask you, how about you? Is your work a calling? And if so, what would it look like? What would be different for you to go to work tomorrow and say, this is the call of God in my life? Thanks, Chip. Before we go, I want to quickly tell you about a new resource we've developed here at Living on the Edge that goes right along with what Chip's teaching in this series. It's called The Real You. It's a free online assessment that'll help you better understand how God uniquely designed you and the specific purpose He has for your life. You'll learn more about your thinking patterns, passions, gifts, motivations, and how you fit on a team. Then The Real You will suggest how you can live this out every day. Sign up for this free assessment by visiting therealyou.org. That's therealyou.org. Or text REAL to 74141. That's the word REAL, R-E-A-L, to 74141. We'll listen next time as Chip continues his series, Answering the Call. Until then, this is Dave Drewy thanking you for joining us for this edition of Living on the Edge. Living on the Edge is sponsored by Living on the Edge. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.